Hello there. While you are listening to this, I am on vacation. I dug into the data on past episodes to find some favorites. And so while I'm gone for a few weeks this August, I am replaying those favorites for you. Whether you are a new listener and you're just getting to hear it, or you are a longtime listener and you're listening again, I think you will love this episode. So without further ado, here is this week's fantastic replay. Welcome to The Stacy Ennis Show, a podcast about writing, solopreneurship, travel, and really about living the life you want. I am your host, Stacy Ennis, coming to you from the incredible country of Portugal. And this week, I am sharing with you a live training that I did. I did this for people who are on my email list or who follow me on social media, and it is a training all about the book writing process. Now, I have been obsessed with books and obsessed with the written words since I was a child, and really for the past 10 plus years, I have been immersed in all things books book writing, book reading, book coaching. And so this training is really bringing together that knowledge to teach you a kind of quick and dirty. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an hour training um, and I could talk about it for a month, but a quick and dirty overview of all of the various steps of the book writing process. And I take those steps and I break them into two main groups, creation and production. And you'll learn more about that as we get into the actual training. Now, this training was live. I had slides that accompanied it, and I also mentioned some resources. So if you want to get access to those, just go to stacyennis.com slash webinar. That's stacyennis.com slash webinar, and you will get access to all of that. I really, really, really hope that If you want to write a book, this training empowers you and encourages you and it gives you the information that you need to get started because the world needs to hear from you. And if you are a professional, if you're somebody who has considered writing a book as part of your platform and and really getting your ideas out there, becoming a thought leader, then this will be especially interesting for you because that's really my niche. My niche is helping people transition from success into influence, and a book is a really powerful way to do that. I hope you enjoy this training, and um, be sure to check out the website I mentioned, stacyennis.com webinar, to get the resources. They will make all of this even more impactful for you. And with that, let's listen to the training. I am really excited to get to deliver this training to you today, partially because it's something really positive that we can focus on in the midst of a lot of uncertainty and and kind of global chaos. Um, And so today we get to talk about something that is very, very near and dear to my heart, which is book writing. We get to talk all about the nonfiction book writing process. So I'm so glad you're joining me and I hope this is really, really valuable for you. And thank you for giving me your time today so I can share this information. I want to give you an overview of what we are going to be talking about today. Um, So you should be able to see my screen. Let me know if um, for some reason that's not coming through okay for you. We have three main goals today. So goal number one is that I really want you to walk out of this training with an understanding of the importance in sharing your ideas and in sharing your story. So we are going to be specifically talking about the nonfiction book writing process today. And I really specialize in supporting authors who have something positive to contribute to the world. So it could be a how-to book, it could be an idea-driven book or a story-based book, but something that really contributes something positive and good into the world And I believe that each of you have something like that inside of you just waiting to come out in the form of a book. 
I also want to teach you some really practical stuff. I am a highly, highly, highly practical person. And so I want you to learn an overview of the nonfiction book writing process. I want you to understand the two main kind of overarching stages, creation and production. And we're going to take a bit of a deeper dive into creation since that is my area of expertise. So today you should walk away with a good understanding of what that means and what each of those two stages includes. And then I want to empower you with a first step to begin working on your book. And for those of you who hang out with me to the very end, I have a really, really exciting gift to give you that will actually help you begin to write that book. Okay, so let me just give you a, a quick a quick and dirty overview about me. Um, since some of you are new to, to me and, and don't know much about who I am. So I am a, an author and also a ghostwriter. I have had a hand in probably hundreds if not thousands of books over the years and have directly contributed to dozens either in the form of writing the books or editing the books. Um, and I really have a heart for the written word. It's something that um, has really been a part of my life since childhood. Uh, this book that's on your screen right now, Growing Influence, is one of my latest, actually it is my latest co-authored book with my colleague Ron Price. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that book in a bit um, as I walk you through the process and tell you a bit about my experience with that book. What else you should know about me is that I, alongside my kind of writing work that I do, I also lead a very busy and full life. Um, as I mentioned, I live in Portugal. So this is a picture of Sagres, Portugal, which is, um, which formerly used to be known as the end of the world. So this is 45 minutes from my house. It's where explorers used to think that ships would sail off the edge of the ocean if they went too far. Um, and so we live, live a very adventurous, whole personal life. And then normally, not right now, I'm also traveling quite a lot for work. So typically every four to six weeks, I'm out speaking or training. Last year, I trained somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people live in different locations around the United States through workshops and keynotes and um, also inclusion trainings that I do. So I, I have a very, very full life. And yet, I have worked out this process to be able to write two to two and a half books a year and to do it in a way that's not um, completely overtaking my life. And so I wanna teach you a bit about how that process works for me today. And, um, but before we get there, I wanna tell you a story about um, me a, a long time ago, over a decade ago. And I picked this picture uh, because it, kind of reminds me of my very first desk setup, except for if you could imagine this desk or a similar one to this, I bought the cheapest Ikea desk that you could um, possibly buy. It was probably about 20 bucks. And if you could take this beautiful scene and like plop it in a very cheap apartment with a lot uh, less fancy decorations, that would be my desk. I couldn't find stock photos don't carry pictures like that so you'll just have to use your imagination and so i was sitting at said desk when i got an email this email um, was offering me a book deal it was offering me an opportunity to write a book what you should understand about my reaction is that i had the opposite reaction of what most people would do so instead of feeling wow, what an exciting opportunity and jumping up and down and telling my husband and, you know, being super excited about it. I just sat there and let all of the kind of negative self-talk run through my head. Because at the time I was 20, 26 years old, I think. Um, and this book was supposed to be a book on book editing, which is very meta, by the way. And um, so although I had been in the industry and was, you know, almost done with a master's degree and had been working and really had some very notable accomplishments under my belt at that age, I still went through all of the self-talk that most of us go through when we get opportunities. I felt that I didn't deserve this opportunity, that there were other people that would be better off writing about something that was such an important topic like book writing or book editing. Um, there were people who were more tenured. Why was I getting this opportunity? And what if I just screwed it all up? 
And so I went through kind of all of the self-talk um, and all these reasons why now was not the time to write this book. And then I sat with that until I decided that I needed to take this opportunity and I needed to say yes. And I needed to overcome all of that self-talk that was telling me I wasn't good enough and now wasn't the right time. And I needed to go forward and get this book done and out into the world. And so I did what one does when they are lacking confidence, which is I interviewed a lot of really smart people um, and included those interviews in the book. And I, I really researched the heck out of that thing and um, did my very, very best job. And what was a, a really important moment for me through this process was not actually the end result, but it was overcoming all of that kind of fear um, and self-talk and all those feelings that keep us from actually getting this really important project done. And I remember um, the book came out shortly after my daughter was born. So she was born in 2013. It's called The Editor's Eye. That's the book. And I remember I had her in this baby carrier and I went to go um, open my front door to receive an Amazon package uh, that had the, the first copy of the book in it. And I opened it up and I remember, you know, kind of like juggling my daughter and trying to open this box at the same time. And I remember pulling this book out and holding it and I was really emotional. I remember that feeling of, it wasn't about writing the book. It was about that uh, process of overcoming all of the things that go on inside of us to get us to that moment. The showing up every day to write the book the overcoming all the negative thoughts that go on in our heads that tell us that we're not good enough. And on the other side of that has been some really, really exciting, exciting things for me. Um, and so I'll tell you about those in a minute, but I would love to hear from you. Who in this group um, has started a book but not finished it for whatever reason. You can raise your hand. You'll see at the bottom of your screen, there's a little thing that lets you raise your hand. I'm seeing a ton of hands pop up right now. So many of us, I can raise my hand too. I have a bunch of manuscripts that I've started and not finished. It looks like so far nearly every hand is up. Okay, I'm gonna lower your hands again. I'm gonna ask you another question. Um, and so my question for you is, what has kept you from that in the past? Drop it in the comments for me. I want to see the things that have in the past kept you from actually getting that book done. So drop that in the comments so I can see the obstacles that have come up for you. Okay, we have fear and lack of self-worth. That is absolutely. Time management is huge. Fear that I will be judged. Self-doubt, which then causes the poor time management. Other priorities like family, not sitting down to write every day and letting work get in the way. That's a huge one. Oh, I write for a living, so I don't want to write more when I get home. I get that for sure. Time, creativity blocks with running a business and raising kids. Wow, I really feel that personally. Um, will anybody really be interested in this, in reading this? That's a powerful question that a lot of us ask ourselves. Um, so I'm seeing, wow, some really, really good feedback from all of you. These are things that I have reflected on in my own journey as an author and, and obstacles that I have personally faced. And to be honest with you, every single time I start a new book project, I also face those same things over and over again. And what's interesting when I tell people what I do is I run into people all the time who want to write a book. I mean, really almost every conversation that I have with people is, oh, I want to write a book. And they'll tell me about their idea. And then when I dig in with them, I get kind of the same um, spread of answers. So I actually, I started cataloging them and keeping track of the responses that I was getting from people. So I'm going to read some of them to you. And I just want you to see if any of them resonate for you. So first is, I'm not ready. In a couple of years, I'll have more to share. I'll do it in a year when my calendar clears up. When X, Y, Z happens, then I'm gonna write my book. I wanna write my book, but I don't even, I don't even know how to get started. So they, they get stuck at the beginning. I started writing a book a few years ago, but then I got a few pages in and I really haven't touched it since. This is when I get a lot. I've been working on my book for five years. This is also a big one. 
there are so many books out there on my topic. What can I even add? I don't think I have anything unique to share. And then the, this one I, I love. Me, write a book? Yeah, no. <laughs> that one always cracks me up. So if any of those resonated for you, raise your hand for me so I can see if, if, I'm, if I'm jiving with the kind of feelings that you've felt in the past. I, I, right now, I see nearly every single hand up. These are experiences that all of us have had or feelings that we have all had. And yes, there are a lot of books out there on lots of different topics, but I believe as a unique human being, you have a unique perspective to share. You have a unique story and your unique perspective on ideas needs to be out there. Um, for me, I saw when I was able to overcome those feelings that I had, those, that self-talk that was kind of um, holding me back, that I saw direct results. And I wanna actually talk about the business results for a moment. Um, for me, I saw my income very quickly double and then double again. I mean, it was really just this rolling tide of increased opportunities, which meant increased income. Very quickly from the launch, I saw that I was in the top five on Google for a number of different search terms. So this one is, if you search for ghostwriter, um, I check this pretty frequently and you can test this out and see if it works for you too, but this article on the bottom, what to expect when hiring a ghostwriter, that resulted, I wrote that, and that is an article that resulted from some of the publicity around the launch of my book, which resulted in a publishing industry viral, not general world viral, but publishing industry viral, viral um, kind of discussion around my book. And then that led to this relationship with her, which has allowed me to continue to contribute content over the years, which has been pretty neat. I have been on tons of podcasts and radio. The book is that ticket that kind of opens those kind of doors for you. And that, that initial book on book editing just let me make so many different pivots and transitions in my career that led me to be able to then work with some of the smartest people in the country on their books, which led me to get to work on growing influence and do the work, the, the book that I mentioned earlier, do the work that I do on women in leadership. I um, had an opportunity to run a national magazine with about 11 million readers at one point. So all of these different things that the book cascaded opened up so many opportunities for me. Um, my latest book, Growing Influence, hit a number one Amazon bestseller in multiple categories, big categories, business and leadership. It was number two. I was above Bernie Brown at one point. This isn't because I'm special. I'm, and I'm not telling you this for any other reason than to say, I'm just a normal person who overcame some self-doubt and did the work and kept doing the work. And all of us are capable of that. I'm not especially talented or especially smart. I'm just willing to do the work and you, you can do it too. All of us can, can reach these levels with our books if we put in the work and we're consistent. And I absolutely believe that each of you can do that as well. I've had clients see really, really cool success too. One of my clients um, paid for a book investment with, or uh, sorry, for his entire investment in his project with one speaking engagement. I've seen people go from local brands to national platforms. And I saw a client of mine who was um, running, founded a $1 billion company, develop clarity around his experience and be able to articulate better, which is really important. He was able to develop um, frameworks and ways of having conversations about his ideas just through the process of writing a book. And that was really powerful for him. Um, so here's the, the core things that in my view, in my experience, a book can lead to. So if you are self-employed, these especially apply for you. But if you are somebody out there who, especially right now, is looking to pivot or to open up other opportunities, these are down the road. These are some of the things that a book can lead to. So if you have your own business, ideal clients, and certainly higher revenue, open up paid speaking and training. Right now, that's not as big of an opportunity. But why not emerge from all the things that are going on right now, poised to be able to take those opportunities on? And I think probably for me, the most important, um, the most important one personally is clarity around your ideas and your purpose. That to me is the power of the book writing process. 
more than the finished product. It's that process of showing up, doing the work and engaging yourself in this really important um, project. Um, one of my clients, I love this quote, said that a book is worth a million dollars in revenue. And I really believe that's true. It's, it, it can be. This, a book can open up so many cool opportunities for you and it's a very exciting next step, especially, again, if you're in a spot where you're ready to make a pivot based on all the things that are going on in the world right now. One thing that I have learned uh, throughout coaching people and my own journey and watching people that I admire is that every good thing requires a hard and scary choice. And showing up and, and getting this book done can be a hard and scary choice. Um, but on the other side of it is something you can be so deeply proud of. And writing a book is not easy, but it is so, so worth it. Okay, so let's get into the meat of how do you do it. The book writing process, I could honestly spend easily a dozen calls with you for an hour each and teach you about each of these elements. But what I want you to leave today with is an overview and understanding how the process works. And I'm, I'm going to ideally, my goal is to leave at least 10 minutes for questions. The book writing process, as I mentioned in the beginning, can roughly be broken into two stages. We have creation, which is essentially the process of creating it, of writing your book. And the easiest way to remember this is that it's all the things that happen to your book in the Word document or whatever word processing software you're using. The production stage is all the things that happen to get your book out into the world. So this is, if, if we just think about how, how this works on your computer, this is when it leaves your word processing software and it goes into a designer's software and into the Amazon world, you know, gets uploaded on Amazon or listed on Amazon, all of that stuff. So we can think about creation as happening in your word, word processing uh, system and production is happening after. So it's all the things that happen after. And we're gonna look at that in more specificity in right now, actually. Now, here's a visual to just give you a sense of how this all works. Now, I have to say this looks very nice, tidy and linear, but those of you who are established, experienced authors know that it's nothing like that. I mean, the reality of the book writing process is there are a lot of things kind of happening all at the same time. And there's times that you kind of have to go back and rework things and, and things get moved around. But for the sake of simplicity, I wanted to give you an overview of roughly the direction that it moves. And as I mentioned at the top of our call, I'm gonna do more of a deep dive today into creation. We are going to touch production. I'm going to walk through each of these four with you, but we're not gonna do as much of a deep dive into that today. We're gonna to focus really on the writing process of a nonfiction book. In creation, we have ideate, so you're coming up with your book idea. Then we go into outlining, and I would add also planning, so you're outlining and planning the writing process. You are writing the book, so pretty important. I should probably make that a much bigger circle, right? Um, you're editing. And then when you're done with all of those four things, it moves into production. So design, proof, which is twofold. So it's proofreading the design version and the physical proof, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Publishing, publish, and launch. And again, we'll dig into these in more detail. So let's start with ideate. When you work through the ideation process, you are engaging yourself creatively. And what your goal of, the goal of this is to come up with a concise and clearly defined book idea that results from exploration and clarification. This considers the audience, the niche, and your own life and personal goals. One of the qualities of a nonfiction book that's important to keep in mind is that your nonfiction book, especially if it's part of your overall author platform or professional platform, is piece and part of a larger goal. And so when you're thinking about, when you're thinking through that idea, you really need to be thinking about how this book idea fits into the other goals that you have personally and professionally. Now, I usually take roughly two to three weeks on this process. And part of the reason that I do that is that I want to spend the time to let my brain stretch and dream and just kind of come up with as many ideas as I possibly can. And typically how I recommend people do this is to let, to really take the time to get all of their ideas out on paper, or out on sticky notes, 
and to give yourself the time to just sort through and really intentionally think about this book that you want to write. A lot of times I can help people solve that self-talk of what do I have to contribute just through helping them engage in an ideation process that includes the scope of their life. And so we can find their unique angle or their perspective or some of their other interests to help craft a book that reaches their intended audience um, in a really unique and compelling way. Part of the ideation process also is really deeply understanding who your book is for. So it's really digging in to the audience and defining it. It's not just women ages 45 to 65. No, we need to really understand who this book is for. And that's why I usually recommend that people follow marketing experts and make personas. So actually getting in and creating fictional characters based on real people you know that you're writing this book to. Um, one other thing I wanted to point out here in the ideation process, especially with nonfiction books and especially with books that fit into an author platform or a, a business goal or um, helping you make that transition really from success into influence is there's a, a phrase that's well known in this industry, which is the riches are in the niches. And so a lot of times what I see when I work with people on their books is they want to do this really broad scope book and they really want to just like cover everything and when we talk what we find is they have like eight books it's not that they actually have they need to write a tome they just need to narrow in and, and niche down into a really clear audience so getting clear on your audience helps you pare down the topic and get really focused on this on what you want to write about um, and then the last thing I'll say about this before we move on to for me to explain what the outlining process involves is that I suggest that you spend time after you've gone through your ideation to write a clear, concise paragraph describing the book idea. Um, one paragraph each about your target readers and then also a bulleted list or a paragraph with core book takeaways. So this is really you taking the time to define your book and create what I usually refer to as a book concept. And that's just a document that gives a high level overview of the book and really keeps you anchored. For me, I review this, um, every book I write, I review it at least probably, I don't know, a dozen, maybe two dozen times throughout the writing process. It's an anchor for me to keep me focused on that reader, keep me focused on the, the purpose behind this book and what this book is meant to be in, as, as I'm creating it. Next is the outlining process. Um, and so we're taking this idea that took us a couple of weeks to put together and define and work through, and we are putting this into outline format. Now, remember at the top, I said that I could talk about each of these easily for an hour. And so I'd love to dig into all the different types of outlining. We can't do that today, but I want you to understand how important this process is. I typically take roughly a month on this process, sometimes a little longer. If the book is really complicated or um, I'm working through how to do this book right. So um, an example, with Growing Influence, the book that I've mentioned, we actually outlined it twice. We had two, we had a full detailed book outline and then we decided that that wasn't actually the right book. We needed to do it a different way. And so we redid the whole process. So the outlining process took us a long time because we went through we did the work and then we decided the work wasn't right. And so we did the work again. So it, it can take anywhere from a month to two months, kind of depending on um, what, what your needs are on this book, I guess. Um, can you do it faster? Yeah, of course. You can outline a book in a day if you want to. Some, some of you on this call might have a quicker process. The reason I like to take about a month is because I um, use my wall. I put sticky notes up. I'm constantly adding topics moving chapters around and then i'm transitioning that into a word document and then i'm getting feedback from somebody um, out, outside of my own brain i need somebody's feedback and make revisions so i'm really um, in an iterative process with my outlines so that when i go and sit down to write i know what i'm writing and i get to really engage in being creative i get to dream on the page rather than trying to still plan the book the, the other thing that I'll say in the outlining stage um, is that 
outline outlining is so important there's lots of different ways to outline books um, it it doesn't matter that much how you do it because everybody's brain is different it just matters that you do it that you engage in it and then you take that outline and you create a writing plan so part of outlining is also outlining your writing plan this is so important to me this is a hugely important part of my personal process um, every time I finish, I get that final uh, book outline. I go into Asana. This is actually a screenshot of a template that I created. And um, I calendar it out. I assign deadlines and I get in touch with people that I'm going to need their help down the road. Um, I start putting down deposits with people. Uh, that, wow, that's motivating when you have a deadline with an editor. And so I really scope out the project. I give myself about a month of wiggle room because I just know life happens and um, if I can get it done on the fast end, great, but I want to make sure that I have room in case I have something that derails me. Um, and so I, I take this, this outline and I put it into project management software, which is kind of nerdy, but let me tell you, it works. Um, and this is how I am able to get these books done regularly and be productive. And also you get to check things off along the way, right? You get to go in and Mark the little check mark, which always is nice. Next is the writing process. So this is really the process of writing the book. And I find that this is a really, really hard stage for a lot of authors. But taking the time to create that writing plan and also really to outline your book really well will ensure, better ensure that you're successful in the writing process. Now I mentioned ideation about two to three weeks roughly outline, roughly a month. And then writing, I would say anywhere from, if you're an, an established writer, it could be four to five months. If you are a more, uh, a newer writer, I would say probably six to eight months. Um, but the thing about the writing process is that you need to have consistency. It is so important to be consistent, to show up, every day as much as you can. Um, I don't write on the weekends, but I do write every single day with almost no exceptions. And there actually is great scientific evidence to show that if you show up at the same time every single day to do something, writing, your brain actually gets into the flow faster. And so that consistency is so important. I would so much rather that you write for 45 minutes every morning, then you try to write four hours once a week. You will get a lot more done in those 45 minutes. It will be better work and you will feel better about it at the end of it. It's also really cool. Every single time I start a new book, I watch my word count go up by the day. So the first day when I sit down, 300 words is a struggle. The second day I'm like, or 500 words, a third day, I'm at seven, and it just keeps going up until I'm, you know, I have a day where I write 2,500 words in an hour, and I'm like, wow, where did that come from? But that consistency, that showing up regularly and trusting your brain's ability to get it eventually, it really does lead to success and to getting your book actually done. The other thing that I would say is you have to avoid self-judgment along this process. Um, a lot of people get hung up going back on the last content that they wrote and trying to edit it. And then you use up all of your energy and all your reserves on the stuff that you did the day before. Don't do that. Read it a little, like read the last few paragraphs to anchor yourself and keep moving. That's what your outline is for. So you know where you're going and you have a roadmap and that when you sit down, you actually just need to focus on writing, not on editing and not on judging your work because edited for you. I edited this quote because I didn't think that the original version would, would be quite appropriate, but the first draft of anything is garbage. He said a different word there. Hemingway said this, and it's so true because anybody who um, writes anything, articles, you know, blog posts, uh, books, know that the first draft is not very good. And that's where editing comes in, the editing process, which we're gonna talk about now. So you gotta be comfortable with the garbage. You gotta be comfortable with the fact that your book is not gonna be amazing the first time around. Where it's going to get amazing is through the editing process, which brings us to edit. 
Um, this is really where a book comes from good to great. So at this point, you have finished your first draft. All right, so congratulations, your first draft is done. You finished your first draft and you are ready to go in, into the editing process. The editing process takes place in roughly four stages. Now I'm gonna send you this, um, this, present, oh, this webinar afterward, so you'll have these notes if you need them. Um, but let me give you a quick overview of the four stages of editing. The editing process, by the way, roughly two to three months. Again, all this kind of depends on your particular project. Um, but here's the four stages. We have developmental editing. We have substantive, also known as content editing. We have copy editing and proofreading. So we can think about this from kind of like large scope to small scope. Developmental editing, as the name implies, helps you develop the manuscript. A developmental editor sometimes also comes in as a book coach, um, but oftentimes with their real kind of editor hat in, they're coming in to a manuscript that needs help with shaping it. Developmental editors are also good people to engage once your outline is done. Um, that is a really, really good place to spend your money, by the way, if you are, have a limited budget and you wanna get some support on your project, getting a professional to review your outline and talk through it with you is a really, really good use of your money and it's a very small spend. And that would be in the developmental editing process. So remember, I told you all this stuff is kinda of like all over the place in reality. Um, editing is really often taking place sometimes on the front end and, and supporting you along the way, for example, as a book coach. Um, but if a developmental editor does come in more toward the you know, end of a project, they're helping to reshape it. And they're also helping you with your voice, helping you understand um, how to speak to your reader. They're always keeping your reader in mind and helping you with big picture changes. Um, a substantive or content editor is not so much moving around pieces and parts of the manuscript or making drastic changes to it or cutting chapters, things like that. They're not killing quite so much of your work. A substantive or content editor is usually coming in and making, yeah, big changes to the manuscript, but they're more jumping in and looking at um, structural flow. How is the book flowing? Do I need to maybe move this section maybe? Or um, maybe I'm not killing a chapter, but maybe I'm moving it. And they typically will actually jump in and help you with that. So they will use their magic on your book and help bring it from good to great. Um, copy editing is the next stage out. So if we're thinking like big, smaller scope, this one is looking at the words. So how do the words show up on the page? What is the syntax? So the word order, is that working well? Are you using a lot of passive voice? Do we need to change that to active voice? They're really working with the words themselves, whereas substantive editors are working with the content, and developmental editors are really working with like the big overarching stuff, the, the structure of the entire book, the voice of the entire book, things like that. And then proofreaders, they come in and they are really simply correcting errors. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people think of editors as just doing proofreading because that's kind of our experience with editors. But Proofreaders are really kind of the last step. They are the people that are helping to clean up the manuscript. They're very important, by the way. A lot of people skimp because they've you know, invested in editing along the way and they get to proofreading and they don't wanna invest in it, but it's not that expensive and it's super, super important. Um, proofreading, I typically recommend that you do three rounds. If you are self-publishing, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, if you're self-publishing, you do one round before the book goes to design. So you're still in the um, creation process, not yet in the production process. One round of proofreading and then two in the production process. Okay, that's editing. Next, we get to go into production. So remember I said that creation is creating the book, it's writing it, and production is really sharing that book with the world. It's getting it out of your Word document into design software and eventually in somebody's hand. Design is really packaging your words. So this is cover and interior design. This takes place both when um, the book manuscript is done, uh, so you've, you've completed that draft, 
and also when your pre-designed proofread is complete. So let me explain. So the, uh, again, remember I said there's lots of moving pieces all over the place. A lot of times your cover design will actually start a little bit earlier. Going through the cover design process is really fun. Um, for, for Ron and I, when we were working through um, growing influence, I'll tell you a bit about what our process was like. Now we were working with a partner publisher um, and so it's a little bit different than if you were truly self-publishing or you were at traditional publishing. Um, but we received our, a bunch of options for our cover um, and we got to go back and forth and make changes on that. And we did it early. So you can start really marketing your book and um, telling people about your book well before it's in, in print form. Um, and then with the interior, the interior design, typically you can begin that before your proofreading is complete on your uh, draft because they'll start working with you on the first chapter design. So they're, the designer is ready to go when the manuscript is complete and they can start putting it into the sign software. I love this process. It is so fun to see this book that you have been working on for so many months and to see it in this beautiful uh, designed format. It's incredible. It's a really incredible experience. And I also have um, a background in graphic design and art. So for me, it's especially fun because you get, you get to take this um, thing that just feels uh, like it doesn't exist really. And then it becomes, it starts to become real. It's a really, really neat. Next is proofreading and the physical print proof of your draft. So in, uh, remember I mentioned one, proof, one round of proofreading when you are in the creation stage, two rounds of proofreading when you are in the production stage. And so this is people just simply uh, experts in their proofreading experts looking for errors. Now, I typically also recommend that you pay that person if you're self-publishing or you have to um, pay for this round yourself. I would recommend paying that person to also check the designer's edits because I cannot tell you how many times wonderful designers have put in new errors into the manuscript when they're fixing things. This is a, such an important step and it cannot be missed. Proofreaders are so important. Um, next is the proof. So our book that I've been telling you about is a hardcover, right? We received first a soft cover. It's called a print proof. That print proof went out five months before publication to a bunch of people. And the goal of that is to get advanced readers, um, to get people to leave reviews on Amazon for us when it was launched, and also just to create some buzz around the book and get people to read it early. Um, it also was sent to review publications like Publishers Weekly and different places like that. So this is, this is a very important stage that a lot of new authors miss. They, they want to go so quickly from writing the book to getting the book out that they miss this really important stage of promotion. Um, if you just slow down and, and follow the process, you will see much better results at the end of it. Okay, next is publishing. Da, 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 da. It's the day that your book meets world. <laughs> so there are three main types of publishing. I wish I could talk through all of them today, but quick overview. Self-publishing, that's when you do everything yourself. You're hiring people. You might hire a consultant to walk you through it, but you own the book, you own the process. Partner publishing is when you partner, partner with a publishing house. There are a wide range of these. Usually this means that you're both investing in the book project in some way. There are some great partner publishers and there are some not so great partner publishers. So do your due diligence on this. Um, there are tons of great resources out there. One website I really like, you actually saw earlier when I showed you that screenshot, is janefriedman.com. Catherine, maybe you can drop that into the chat. She is a wealth of knowledge about publishing and you can find out all about the different types of publishing at her site. Um, and then the last type is traditional. So that's the big five, Penguin, you know, Penguin Random House and, and those big ones. And those are, um, a really kind of a, a unique process compared to self-publishing and partner publishing, but they are investing most of it up front um, and typically giving you some kind of, kind of an advance. Um, no matter the route you take though, this is when you become officially an author and it is a really exciting day. Um, it's an amazing feeling. I, with my first book, because I just had a baby, 
I didn't do any kind of book launch party or anything like that because I just, I mean, I, I think I was maybe a month postpartum and I just didn't have it in me, but we did for growing influence. And wow, it was such an amazing feeling to have my friends and, and colleagues and my family there and to celebrate this thing that to me was so, just so important. Um, and I hope that it, after you go through this process and hopefully you're inspired to go through it, after you go through this process, I hope that you won't do what I did with the first book and not really celebrate it. I hope you'll celebrate it and really just enjoy this accomplishment, this thing that you did. And then last is launch. So again, remember lots of things moving around at the same time. Launch actually is occurring in at the same time that this kind of production actually really publishing process is happening. Um, launch, the launch phase is typically about six to nine, maybe 12 months, but usually six months is typically what experts recommend. So they're often suggesting three months before the book date, the book official launch date. So that's when Amazon says your book is out. And three months after. Those six months are a really, really important period for the success of your book. Um, but you can find ways to kind of relaunch over time. So for example, with our book, Growing Influence, we um, were invited to be at the airport. And so we got to do kind of a whole other new relaunch around that. So there's lots of different ways that you can find to continue to promote your book over time. Now this process looks very, very different depending on your investment, your level of efforts, and just kind of um, who you're working with and the type of book you have, but it might include a PR person working with you to promote the book. Um, it might include book signings. So my co-author Ron and I did signings in Seattle. We did some in Boise. Um, might include media coverage. So we were on NPR. We had different kind of experiences with that, with that book. Um, it might include guest blog posts that you contribute or articles that you write. It might include Goodreads giveaways. Those were really successful for us, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of different things that it can include. And a great PR person is um, a good investment if you have, especially if you have a, um, a professional goal tied to the book that's helping you reach kind of a next level for you professionally. And for, I know from my personal experience that it was such an important, it was also honestly a rewarding process because um, you work so hard on this book and then to have somebody in your corner generating interest was, it was nice. It was really a powerful experience for, for me. So, um, oh, I, I put this picture in here of our, so this was our like quote unquote relaunch was getting our book in the airports and we had it all over the, the United States. Um, and again, like finding little opportunities like that to continue to grow interest in your book, your book doesn't need to kind of die once it gets out of that six month period. There should always be more opportunities for you to generate interest in the book. Okay. So I want to give you a first step, uh, and then I'm going to give you in just about 10 minutes, a resource for you to begin to work on your book because you're here and you're staying with me to the end. Um, so first I suck, I suggest that you start to cultivate a habit of creativity and focus. So spend 15 to 30 minutes each morning thinking deeply and journaling. It might not be directly about your book, but let yourself begin to develop that habit of focus and begin to train your brain that this period is one of focus and intention and creativity, which means that you're not checking your phone. You're not checking your email. You're not um, doing a lot of the things that kind of open that trap door to your brain that will kill your creativity. Um, beginning to really cultivate that habit now and capturing ideas about your book as they arise. Next, I suggest giving intention to your book ideation. This is through walks or exercise. I think best on my feet, so I will dedicate runs, especially if I'm working with clients. I will intentionally go on a run to think about their projects. For my own work, I do the same. Okay, this run, I'm really gonna work through these things. And then I kind of uh, use my audio notes or I stop and I type. Um, so find ways to get creative in accessing, in accessing your creativity and make notes in your phone about your book idea. Just begin to pull together ideas. Be sure also, as you're thinking through your book idea, to write down every single idea that comes up. Epiphanies, moments of clarity. Do it at the moment it strikes because you will not remember later. How many times do you say to yourself, oh, that's a great idea. I need to write that down when I get home. 
no, just, just like pull over on the road or, you know, stop what you're doing and write it down because you will lose it later. And we want to get all of those ideas down so that as you go through the process of ideation, you can begin um, to, to pull, again, see that, see that those ideas come to life, begin to sort and be able to put together a really solid book idea that keeps in mind that the, the riches are in the niches. Okay, so I have a few uh, minutes for questions and I, I am going to finish us on the hour to be respectful of your time. Catherine, I think you, um, you could go ahead and turn on your audio and read me any questions that have come up that you feel like would be helpful for people, for me to answer. Yeah, hi everybody. Um, I have a question from Jennifer about research. Where does research come in? Um, is that in the outlining process? Um, yeah, when does the research happen? That's a great question. Oh, and I love research, so yay, what a great question. Um, I tend to do both. So I try to research as much as I can in the outlining stage to set myself up for success because what I found early on, uh, you know, when I first got started in books is that I would get bogged down in the writing process, just not having the information that I needed to be able to write the section. So if I know that I need a piece of information, data, a statistic, things like that, I try to gather those as much as I can in the outlining stage. When I'm writing, what I do so I don't kill my flow is I just add brackets that say like insert statistic here, or I'll add a comment. And then kind of when I'm done mostly writing for the date, then I'll spend my time going and filling in those gaps before I get back to writing the next day. Otherwise, what I find is I'll hop on Chrome or whatever browser, and I'll type something in and then somehow my emails open in another tab. Like I just get distracted. So I'm just trying to limit my distractions as much as possible. So it's kind of working in tandem, but doing as much on the front end as you can. What else do we have, Catherine? Wonderful. Um, I think another question, I, there's a couple that kind of feed into this, has to do with cost. Um, so what, how much can one expect this process to cost? Um, especially if you're wanting to reach as many people as possible. And then combining that with another question that came from Tim, um, who's on a fixed income and is looking for a way uh, to finance this project. So any tips on that? Okay, so the cost question is a big one. I actually, um, rather than giving you a specific number on this call because they're so different, I, Catherine, let's include my budget guide in our, um, in our email. So I, it was, it's a couple years old, but it's still very relevant. I put together a budget guide that breaks down the basic costs of most of the things that we've talked about today with a, a range estimate for low, mid, and high. And so I think that will do a much better job than I can right now answering those questions. I can tell you that um, a lot of what, ha what I see happen is that people don't spend uh, some of their money on the front end to get support and planning. Um, and outline review or like a manuscript review so they can be guided through revision. Those are all pretty inexpensive compared with having to pay for a really in-depth round of editing later on. So some of the early help that you can, you can hire support for, those are, are great investments. And the other thing I see is that people forget about the PR piece of it. And um, you don't have to hire a PR person, but if you have the budget, that's a really, really smart move to find a good person to support your project. And so the budget guide, the reason I created it is simply to give you that information on the front end so you can look at it and say, okay, this is important to me, so I might need to, to scale back here. As far as financing, that's a tricky one. I have seen successful um, you know, uh, Kickstarter projects. Um, I've seen different things like that, like pre-sales. I have a, a friend who pre-sold copies of her book to support the, the writing process. What I would say is do the best you can with the budget that you have, and you might need to go a little bit slower um, just to be able to pay for things along the way. Um, but just do what you can. It doesn't have to be perfect. We all have a wide range of budgets. We have a wide range of books. And I'm more concerned that you do your best work and that you invest where you can 
it really can be a really wide range from very inexpensive to very expensive. So I wouldn't get hung up on all the things that I'm telling you as, as the gospel truth, because we each have different needs in the book process. So hopefully that budget guide will help. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, if, if uh, you dig around the internet, maybe you'll find some other ideas on raising funds for your project. I hope you're able to do that. Catherine, let's have um, one more question um, before I officially close close it up for everybody. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw three at you. Okay, <laughs> and then you it. can choose. So we've got a question about finding solid editors, okay, and then a question about when to send um, the book proposal to an agent, okay, and um, also about the publishing the publishing um, process. Okay. So how to find the right publisher and then when in the book writing process do you start thinking about the type of publisher you wanna go with? Now I know those are all probably equally important, which is why I couldn't choose just one. So um, the, the, the central challenge that you will have if you are self-publishing is finding a great person to partner with. It's, it's just like any endeavor. There are some really excellent people out there and there are some not so excellent people out there. The challenge with the publishing industry, just like any other um, unregulated industry, is that anybody can hang a sign up on their door and call themselves an editor or call themselves a publisher. And so that's why I recommend using resources like janefriedman.com, the one that I referenced earlier, it's in your chat, and, and sources like that to be able to vet people. I can tell you there is one marketplace out there. It's called Readsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y. In fact, I have a course on there that you can complete for free. Um, maybe Catherine can drop that into the chat, my, my nonfiction book platform course. Um, but I would suggest if you, um, I don't, it looks like most of us are in the United States. Your state should have an editor's association. In Idaho, where I'm from, we have the Idaho Editors and Writers Association. Lots of really qualified people in there. And you can also look on online marketplaces like Readsy. There are some limitations on there. You have to work within their platform. Um, but they vet people for you. And so you know going in there that they have already heavily vetted the people that are in there. And then I would say with editors, I would just make sure that you're asking them good questions. You are hiring them, so you have every right to ask them a series of, of questions. So my book, The Editor's Eye, that I mentioned before, actually has a whole, um, like, finding the right editor chapter. I think it's a whole chapter on it, if not at least a section. And it includes a bunch of questions that you can ask. But asking about their backgrounds, making sure that people have the proper training, um, they don't have to have a degree in writing and editing, but they need to have experience, demonstrated experience in a portfolio that they can show you. Um, and then I usually recommend that you hire people to complete one chapter of your book before you hire them for the full book. I think that's smart business to make sure that they are, are qualified. Um, and then the other thing I would say about editors is get in early because great editors book out well in advance a few months. And so it would be Disappointing to get your book done and then have to wait another four months because the, the one you want to work with isn't available. Um, as far as the book proposal and agent piece, that's honestly kind of a different topic from what we're discussing. Catherine, we should do a book proposal training. I think that would be great. I've written a fair share of book proposals. Um, but I would say, so that's, that's really kind of a different process than writing the full manuscript. I can tell you one thing. If you're writing a nonfiction book, most agents, most publishers will not want you to have written the entire book before they sign you. So you'll need two to three sample chapters. So basically all the things that I told you apply for the creation process, except that you're not going to finish the manuscript. Um, and so all of the planning and all of that is still really important. You need to demonstrate a timeline that you can complete it. And so I would say get the proposal done along with those chapters and then begin to send those out to agents, but be ready and poised to complete the draft if you get a deal, which I really hope you do. And then um, last question was when to start looking into publishing now. I mean, it's, there's never a bad time to start looking into it. Understanding, understanding the route you're going to take will influence the decisions that you make later on and also influence your spending. And then finding a publisher, um, again, I think Jane's site should have some good resources on it. I know um, that can be tricky, but the thing I would recommend is if you, you know, Google and have a conversation with a publisher, ask to be connected with their 
existing authors by email and order some books that they've produced and read them so that you can make sure that the quality of the print book is good. You can make sure that the, the book itself content is good and have a firsthand experience. Do your due diligence. Um, I'm shocked at how little time people will spend hiring an editor or picking a publisher. It's almost less time than you would spend finding a formal outfit for a nice event. Um, so spend the time, do your due diligence and order some of their existing books. Here's how to get in touch with me. I have a podcast, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. I have some really cool stuff that I'm planning and resources and more webinars. Now that I am um, not traveling, I have all this awesome time for you. So. Uh, stay, stay in touch with me and I will let you know when I have more of these trainings to offer you. I hope that you leave today inspired and excited for your next book or your first book and that you know that you have an important story to share with the world. If you have additional questions, feel free to reach out to me and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Now go write that book. I hope that training was really, really useful for you and you got a lot of great information. I want to remind you that if you want access to the, the training itself with the slides and with all the resources I mentioned, be sure to go to stacyennis.com slash webinar. This podcast is produced by me, Stacy Ennis. Heartfelt thanks to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Katherine Fishman for project support. If you want to support the show, and I really, really hope you do, please leave me a five-star review in your podcast app or share this episode with a friend, maybe somebody who wants to write a book. I would really appreciate it. As always, you can find show notes in your app or at stacyennis.com podcast. You can connect with me at stacyennis.com. Just click connect or on Instagram at stacyennis or on Facebook at Stacey Ennis Creative. Thank you for joining me this week, and I will be back in your ears before you know it.